Walk It, Bike It, Ayrshire podcast is a creation of the Active Travel Hub Kilmarnock and Active Travel Hub Air. For those who don't know us, both hubs operate out of the train stations in their respective town centres and work to promote active travel to the general public, to workplaces and community groups. We want to make it easier for everyone to access walking and cycling and to see them as better alternatives to taking the car. Whilst we're all currently working from home, we're still here to help and you can call, email or contact us through social media and we hope you'll love our new podcast, Walk It, Bike It, Ayrshire. Hi everyone, welcome again to the Walk It, Bike It, Ayrshire podcast. I'm Amy Bissett, I work at the Active Travel Hub at Air. I've got my colleague Rory with us today, Ooh. the Dream Team from Air. Now, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you'll know that dogs get a lot of mentions, namely my dog. She's usually barking in the background. So it's only a matter of time, really, before I manage to wangle this subject in. Today, we are going to talk about canny hiking, which is a power walking based activity, fast paced hiking with your dog pulling you in harness. And speaking from experience, it's definitely more than just walking the dog. And joining us today to tell us all about it is local expert Lindsay Johnson, who's the founder of Canny Fit, a fitness company aiming to get people fit alongside their four legged friends. Lindsay started Canny Fit in 2011 after struggling to find a running group that would allow her to bring her dog Suko along. Since then, she's also started Rough Dugger, which is a series of events which are a bit like a, a version of Tough Mudder for your dog. So really good fun. She's also a busy personal trainer and a mum. And she's even a podcaster herself, but she's on the other side of the microphone today. Welcome, Lindsay. Hi. Good to have you on. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Caveat this for everyone by saying Lindsay and I know each other very well. So <laughs> it's a bit weird. I know. But Rory's here to provide some balance today so that we don't okay, just swear at each other. I'll just look at Rory. Whole hour. That's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so do you, do you want to kick us off then, Lindsay? Tell us a wee bit about what, what everyone at Canny Fit does and what it what it's all about. Yeah, so Canny Fit is a company where we fitness chain um, owners with their dogs. We teach people how to do a series of um, harness-based sports that all um, uh, come from sled dog sports. So Canny Cross, which is running on the trails with your dog, um, Bike Jaw, which is the dog um, attached in front of the bike, Scootering, which is similar to Bike Jaw, and uh, what we're going to talk about today, Canny Hike, which is becoming more and more popular. And Canny Hike is, like Amy said, it's not just walking your dog, it's going for a faster paced hike with the dog in harness and, um, you know, still training them. So, yeah, so we basically teach people how to train their dogs, we get them fit, we provide them with a regular training classes, we provide them with equipment, events, um, leadership skills, and lots, lots more, lots, lots, lots going on at Canny Fit. <laughs> What exactly, um, you, so you guys kind of developed that really um, as yes. a class itself. What made you yes. do that? What made you bring it into the business? So when um, uh, one of my, my, my leaders, Pauline, was um, coming to attending classes regularly, she would always ask me to put on a beginner weekend class, which um, uh, I 
I did in the beginner class very soon after a few weeks would always turn into not be a beginner class would always turn out to be a uh, quite fast paced and people just enjoying uh, running like they did the regular classes um, and I think the problem the issue was me I like to run fast <laughs> and people who come to the classes quite enjoy that and they quite enjoy that thrill behind so she says you really need to develop something else so with Pauline's support uh, we thought right well the, the beginners um, isn't really becoming a beginners well let's do something totally different and we came up with a uh, canny hike um, when I first started canny fit I used to walk people's dogs and uh, and that side of the business didn't last for long as canny fit got, um, uh, it got bigger um, I called it canny hikers so that's how I, I sort of separated the dog walking from canny fit. I called it the canny hikers and that was a, a separate sort of business page that I had. So we thought, well, let's call it canny hike so people know it's different from the canny fit classes. And what we'll do, we'll give the promise to people that there'll be no running. There's people there that just, you know, they'll say, oh, you say it's a beginner class, but it's not really. So let's just uh, give them the promise of no running. It's going to be power walking only. Um, and we'll still work on all the fundamentals that we do at the other classes. So uh, Pauline was really instrumental in helping put it together and helping develop it because all I wanted to do was move on to run and get them to, to go faster. So I learned a lot from going at Pauline's pace and I learned a lot from Pauline and other leaders uh, since and people who have attended those classes, what people enjoyed out of it and what they were looking for. There was things that I couldn't see because I was going too fast. <laughs> so um, that's how we came up with Canny Hike. <laughs> and has it, it, it's obviously still, I mean, was it what, maybe five, six years ago you brought that in? And yeah, maybe about six years ago, perhaps before Evan was born. Mm. When, when did you mm. become a leader? Six years ago? Mm. 2014, so seven years. So it must have been about then, round about that time, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, so what, what would you say is kind of, what's made it stick around? Has it been popular? Has, has it changed much since then? So, yeah, so at the start, um, it took, it, we had a bit of resistance in, in uh, offering it to people because people thought, because our ready-made client base were coming to classes, running classes. So at first we would get some people who didn't want to run and they would come along but they wouldn't really stick at it, you know, the usual when it comes to any sort of mm. kind of, you know, new, unique or fitness-based business. Um, but we had a lot of resistance in getting our regular clients to try it out because they would, they sort of looked at it and thought, that's a step down, why do I need to do that? And they didn't really grasp, um, you know, the concept that it was great cross-training. And it wasn't until we had um, regular clients who would attend my running class in the morning and they perhaps had a younger or an older dog, um, and then they would move on to the hiking after, and they would do both. And then that became an appeal to people who had multiple dogs, um, who would do a bit of both, or those that really liked the social aspect would stay and do both classes. And then they saw um, the real benefits, which you know I'll talk about later, um, uh, that they were getting out of it um, more than what they perhaps would have just out of the running class. And it wasn't later on until that sort of news, good news spread down to others, they realised that there was, um, you know, complementary factors to doing the hike as well as the running. But at the start, there was a good bit of resistance. It was um, hard and still is hard to get 
the type of clientele that we want to get in for it because they probably think we're a bit too extreme or a bit too fast or a bit too much. We're all a bit too fit. Um, so it's sort of tapping into an audience that don't really particularly follow us has been, has been difficult. But now what we're seeing is um, the heights have slightly changed, yes. They're more changed towards adventure hikes, longer walks, hills, etc. And they're booking out. They're booking out um, faster than the running classes because all the regular runners want to come along as an adventure day and try out like a new hill or a longer trail. Um, but what we are going to do after the summer is look at bringing back the hiking classes in our more central parks again and opening it up to new newcomers and beginners again. Mm -hmm. Do you see it work ever work the other way where people who are coming to your starting at your hiking or just coming and hiking move on to the other sports? Yes, so we have, yeah, we've seen some of our, probably some of our most loyal um, canny fit um, customers and some who have then progressed all the way and became elite, came along, joined the hiking classes with Pauline and then, you know, progressed on to running and so forth and now she's, um, you know, um, a leader who takes multiple classes a week and is never off the podium <laughs> at races and she's a, a woman in her 50s so she always thought oh I'll not be able to run I'll not be able to do this but she was able to do it because you know as you know a woman in her 50s isn't old it's that sort of old preconception that if you're you know sort of 50 plus you're old but you're not actually it's just you know it's just about um you know go, how, how you train yourself and look after yourself so um, yeah, no, Heather's, um, you know, has done fantastic, but we have had a lot of other clients that started off with the hiking and yeah, they're, they're now doing bike jaw, they're doing, um, you know, the running regularly, they're doing online coaching and, um, and everything. So yes, it's, it, it has been fantastic that way, but with the lockdown and everything else, all our leaders are so busy with the running classes that we haven't had a lot of time in the last year. Uh, to focus on bringing new people in via hikes. Mm -hmm. The hikes have just sort of been ticking along our regular classes, if you like. Mm -hmm. What, um, the kind of million dollar question, I guess, what makes the hiking classes actually different from just taking your dog for a walk? You know, what okay, so what, make, what makes it different is when you come along to a hiking class, um, not maybe not necessarily one of the adventure classes, but a specific training class is that you're going to be taught how to use the equipment properly. And the equipment isn't just a harness and a lead that you buy at a pet store. It's all specialist equipment that would cost you over a hundred pounds to buy as a kit. So you're going to get to use that free of charge and you're going to get to see what this kit does and how it supports the dog better and how it makes your um, your exercise in the training session with the dog more comfortable, you feel a lot more in control and so on. So you're going to be taught um, how to socialise your dog in a group, how to exercise with them and not just take them a walk and how to how to control them. So you'll have people say, I've got a big dog, they're excitable around other dogs, they're likely to pull me off my feet. And, you know, that's, that's a kind of misconception that we get. Whereas when they come to the class, they'll see that they won't because the equipment is designed in such a way to fit, uh, to support that you're not pulled off your feet, but also what you're, you're paying for is our training that we're going to show you how to control the dog and how to work with the dog. 
So it isn't just a case of um, showing up and you just go, go for a walk. You're going to be taught how to teach the dog speed commands, um, direction commands, uh, and focus, which is the main thing. And that's the big thing that well, what we've seen a lot this year is a lot of people are buying the equipment online people you know been off their work and mm-hmm. have had more time to go out use the trails and out with their dogs so they've, a lot more people have heard of canny cross and things so people are, are buying it and just not wanting to go to a class they may have other things on and they don't they perhaps don't don't quite get it because they think it's just an extension of running or walking with your dog with fancy kit but the dog is still doing the usual things um, that they worried about at the start, like stopping to sniff or stop, stopping to pee or darting out in front of them and becoming a trip hazard um, or not that interested when they're running and lagging behind uh, and look like they're not enjoying it because people are totally underestimating the value of the, the training that goes into the dogs and the focus work that we do. And that's how we um, develop and structure our classes uh, in such a way that it's fun for the dogs that we vary up the routes and the trails, but that there's loads of teaching elements in there as well to interest and excite the dogs, but get the dogs understanding they're there to do a job with their owners and getting the owners to understand that you're here to train your dog to do to do that job and how to pick up on uh, you know cues and body language and whatnot. So um that's really what's it's hugely different and i suppose people don't know what they don't know and they don't unless they try it um you know they're never going to really find out um uh, what the difference is do you think the the group aspect of it is a is a big thing for well for both for social yeah for absolutely yeah we get a lot of dogs that don't get socialized that perhaps um you know, can't get let off the lead or, you know, or for whatever reason or dogs that don't like, not every dog wants to play in the park together. That's sometimes that can can lead to fights or can lead to, you know, intimidation. So this is a really safe way that the dogs can be around other dogs, which is healthy and, and it is essential for dogs to see other, you know, smell, different smells and environments and uh, be in the you know sort of same vicinity as other dogs but they don't need to be in each other's um, space or face and with our classes that they're spaced out so safely and all facing the same direction that it's non-confrontational so they get to relax around other dogs and get used to being in the area they don't feel like um, other dogs are so exciting or so much of a threat that it is a really good way to socialize them. Mm-hmm. And it'll be for also the owners as well. As well right? You know, it's a way for them to get to meet like-minded people as well. Yeah, you definitely see that through Canny Fit as the big yeah. aspect of the kind of community. Yes, people uh-huh. that have made, I mean, the people that have made lifelong friends through it all, and yeah, all absolutely crazy dog people together. Uh-huh. That's it, bringing crazy dog people together. <laughs> I think with Canny Fit is yeah, you are bringing crazy dog people together, but it's um. <laughs> It's not just like crazy dog people who all do dog showing because that's like, um, uh, you know, that can be like a certain uh, branch of the crazy dog family. But it's the canny fit. It's you've got like if you've got like all genders and all ages and all shapes and sizes and you know people from all walks of life. So it really is a mixed bunch. But the, you know, they all we all do get on, and it is that one common thing that we you know, I suppose that we all, we're all a bit tough, really, we don't really mind mm. being outdoors and, and, and the cold and we're very much all like get on with it type bunch and I think that's, it's not just the, 
dog aspect that we have in common. It's that attitude of we just get on with things that we all mm-hmm. have in common. And I think that's what makes us, uh, you know, stay in each other's lives for, for a lot longer. <laughs> there's there's no one else in the rest of your life that's like that. That's yeah, yeah there's nobody daft enough to go out in the rain. We're a special month. breed. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry, I should be telling people it's not. You're not daft. It's, it's never <laughs> rainy. It never rains. It's never muddy. Always good. <laughs> Do you, you get folk coming along that don't have dogs but want to try it? So with very odd time, yes, we do. And really at the start, um, I, I would see people come into the running class regularly because because it was there were trail running, so there wasn't ever really any trail running groups or classes. And the, the, especially the running classes, it's a huge aspect is fitness training. You know, my regular Thursday night class, people have been coming for like six, seven years. So... There's only so much I'm going to teach them how to train their dog. You know, they, they've been doing that for years. So the majority of it every week, uh, you know, that we do is fitness training. So there was people that would come along and just loved the, uh, you know, loved the, the thriller running on the trails and the fitness aspect. Um, or some people would borrow dogs they didn't own. So you've got a lot of people that would borrow a friend or a neighbor's dog and would come along and do it. Or... People who have done it for years and their dogs no longer can do it or is injured and they still wanted to keep it up, then they would. Recent years, we haven't mm-hmm. um, had anyone come along dogless because I think some of the running classes have got so fast that they perhaps wouldn't keep up. But I think um, the hiking, we do get a lot of partners or you know kids come along um, you know, and they maybe get one dog between them and, they, and they'll, they'll join in. It's definitely a lot more fun doing it with a dog and just doing it with the one dog, that's for sure. Mm. Let's say, so we should really probably explain what the kit actually is to people, shouldn't we? So, yes. We've got a belt belt for humans. Yes. Harness for lines. And a yes, line. and a bungee line. Yes. What so exactly your harness are they like? The harness has to be non restrictive. So you don't want. Um, the any sort of kind of anti-pull or any harnesses that strict restrict the dog's shoulders in any way. You want them um, to be padded, that it's comfortable, but it's designed to support freedom of movement for the dog. So the dogs can freely move their shoulders. Um, their legs aren't um, uh, squeezed at the back under the, the, the front legs and the rib cage um, isn't squeezed either so that they, their ribs can... Uh, their lungs can expand as they're running and pulling. Um, so with hiking, you would probably go with a slightly shorter harness than what you perhaps would at Canny Cross would be a slightly longer harness because in hiking, the dog is, um, you know, would either just be trotting or just uh, walking. Mm-hmm. They wouldn't be flexing their spine as much as what they would when they're running. So we would use a slightly shorter harness for hiking than we would in running. And then they're connected to the human by a bungee line so you want it's not just it's, uh, not just a, a flat lead. You want like a lead that's got a bungee and in, uh, integrated into it, so it'll absorb any uh, shock. You don't want the dog's spine being jolted or your back uh, being jolted. So when the dog's pulling, they're pulling against that softness of the bungee. And belts belts have really developed now over the years that they don't sit around your back because that would cause a lot of pain and discomfort to your back. The belts now sit around the hips. They're designed to sit uh, around um, the hips and around the bum and attached by leg straps, uh, which will keep them in place. Um, They have 
um, different lengths of front straps depending on the size of the dog and the pull of the dog. Uh, they're designed to help keep you in a forward motion towards the pull of the dog and um, freeing up your back so there's no, nothing uh, you know on your spine. There's not, you're not going to risk any injury. So any of these kind of old-fashioned belts that would go around the waist and the back, we wouldn't really recommend them anymore. They've all sort of kind of um, progressed since that. Yeah, and all that kind of works in a, like a perfect scenario to assist the dog actually pulling you forward. Yes, uh -huh. whereas if it's on your back, you're going to arch back. That's mm. going to be, you're going to fight against it and lean back. Mm. So the, the kind of cheaper stuff that you see in the pet shop tends to be elasticated and would sit around the back. And it's, you know, people say, well, I've tried it out and it wasn't comfortable, it didn't work, but it's not going to be comfortable because yeah. that's going to be pinging uh, back and forward. So the specific stuff for Canicross, um, you know, uh, is designed in a way that it is safe and it is comfortable for the dog as well as the, the human. Mm -hmm. And obviously the, the whole the whole ethos also ethos of the whole sport is really about the dog being comfortable and enjoying yeah. it and the bond that you have with your dog yeah. and everything yeah. like that. Um, yeah. What do you need to kind of consider? What is there other things that you need to consider if you're going to be doing this or before you start? Like, um, and you need to do differently with your dog to prepare for it. Um, well, first of all, we need to make sure that they're old enough. So mm -hmm. uh, because. Um, they're going to be uh, not just walking the mileage, so um, it, they're going to be pulling. So when a dog is pulling, um, it can effectively lead to double the mileage and what they would if they were just free walking or free running. So you have to ensure that their, the, you know, their growth plates are all finished uh, forming, and um, they're no, you, they've not got a lot of uh, tissue that's still still growing so um, we tend to say sort of 11 months is about a good age to start really light um, and then slowly build up some breeds um, you know you may want to um, wait later but if it's, certainly if it's canny hiking it's lower impact it's not running so the likes of 10 to 11 months um, is a good place to start you just don't want to do it often with them throughout the week but if they were doing one say three classes a month um, at that age, that's um, that that's going to be okay so long as the mileage is kept low and so much as a as, uh, as long as the surface is nice and soft for the dog also, which it always is uh, at our classes. So yeah, you want to make sure that your dog is old enough, but also you want to make sure that your dog's breed is able to cope with um, high energy exercise. So for example. Um, a, a, a breed like a pug that has a flat face and isn't able to breathe properly mm -hmm. is not going to be suitable because they can't regulate their inner core temperature. Mm -hmm. So if they if they're getting tired um, and it, or or if it's getting hot, mm -hmm. like the other dog will stop and they'll pant, um, you know, and, and they'll open their mouth uh, to cool cool down, uh, you know, to get some air in. Pugs aren't able to do that with how they're bred, and some mm -hmm. a lot of these really popular breeds like the French Bulldogs and so on. So they struggle to get the oxygen that they need in, and it it can lead to them overheating uh, um, or exhaustion and collapsing. So that type of dog that isn't bred for activity, then you would say, you know, perhaps would look at it. And it's not to say that we've never had that breed before, because I have had a French bulldog that's came along and who was fantastic. He was very fit and he was bred in such a way that wasn't um, 
that was a bit more ethical than the majority of these breeds that are uh, these dogs that are bred. So he had did have a longer nose. His airways were a lot uh, clearer. But again, he was you know you were had to be very careful with what you did with them. And we do have some pug crosses. So there's uh, we've people who have got Jack Russell cross with pugs um, and they enjoy it again. They're not fantastic at it. They, they need a lot of rest. They can't, they can't do it a lot because again, they do struggle. They struggle with the heat. Um, so it's not to say that they can't do it, but it's, I certainly wouldn't feel right advertising that every breed can come and enjoy it and do it. Mm. But I don't think if you've got a, a, a really flat faced um, pug or a bulldog, and then taking up canny cross is going to be the number one um, activity for you. So, yeah, that's yeah, that's really, really important thing to consider, mm. uh, that the dog is fit well and is capable, you know, of running um, mm. uh, and um, cooling itself down. Yeah. Heat do, is... do, you te- do you test them when they turn up then? Is there like a test? You no, there's not, not, not a test. But, you know, there's information on the site that they, obviously they've got to... Uh, agree that the dog's fitting well and is at a certain right. age, but uh, you know, there's no like we're not vets, so there's no fitness test. Yeah. We've we've actually never had a dog that's turned up like a like a purebred pug that we thought they're not going to manage it. And if we did have yeah. one, um, yeah. then we would need to manage what they're going to do in the class, and we perhaps would need to give them uh, doing a lot more walking uh, and you know and watch out, but. The majority of the time, these the owners that have got these types of dogs don't want to do that kind of activity with mm-hmm. them anyway. So, yeah, no, we've not had any issues like that. Yeah. You've got to kind of know your own dog as well, haven't you? Like, yeah, I have, of course. My dog feels the heat a lot, and that's just uh-huh. her breed. I mean, she breathes great, but um, she does feel the heat, so I know, like, certain days, like, I'm not going to go and do much with her today, or, yeah. I'll, you know, make sure she's... We're, we're using a route where she can jump in for a, a paddle and cool down. Yeah, cool down. Everyone's got to know their own dog, really, haven't they? Yeah, uh-huh. Okay, so terrain we've mentioned. Uh, what about feeding and high hydration and things like that? Is there anything that you think about that? So, yeah, so these are things that we would teach along at the classes and it's how to hydrate your dog and make sure the dog is prehydrated, which means that they've got enough water on board. Um, um, if the dog is well hydrated, they're going to feel a lot more comfortable to do exercise, but also they'll be um, able to keep them their inner core temperature cooler as well and there's less chance of any overheating. Um, so yeah, there's ways of um, uh, hydrating the dog beforehand, and you would do that throughout the week, and you could perhaps do it two hours before a run. And these are all different things that we would, you know, like uh, teach at our sessions, and we would encourage that dogs are not fed before they come and do an activity. So they would have at least three hours um, since they've had a feed, and if it's a morning class and they're going to be running hard or fast we would probably advise that they don't they don't have a full meal that they would maybe have you know a part of a meal or they would just have um, you know maybe some fish and some water and then you would wait an hour or an hour up to two hours after the exercise before feeding them again mm-hmm. so we're making sure that they've not got a lot of food in their system before they go running and that's the same for the hiking as well even though they're not running they're yeah. still, still working hard aren't they so yeah uh-huh. yeah okay cool um, I think what else did we want to check? 
what the what are the plans really for the future of canny hike for you at canny fit are you looking to do more classes or is it yeah so we've got um just now up until the summer we've got a lot of what we call the adventure classes booked in so the adventure classes um, are a little longer um, you would go uh, longer trails so we'd either do some kind of um, some hills or some longer distance trails and there's not so much uh, teaching in these these are more of a guided adventure um, uh, lo lo longer hike if you like which is very social uh, uh, you know we're showing you around different routes so there's lots of them booked in for the summer. Uh, they're all on our website. But after I'll that... Uh, I'll put the link on for the website and everything for folk if they want to look up about kit and what classes are on. Yeah. So those that are interested in coming along as a newcomer and learning about what canny hike is and training the dog, come August, we're going to be introducing a lot of beginner sessions in our uh, regular areas. So we're going to be in just our kind of uh, normal parks, you know, the kind of like central parks, and we'll be doing uh, beginner uh, sessions, uh, introducing people into canny hike and how to work with a dog and harness and teaching them all the fundamentals, all the direction work, speed control, socialisation, focus, um, uh, lot, lots and lots of different stuff as well as the fitness element as well. And then I think once uh, people have got a few of them under their belt, they can either decide whether they want to move on to running, uh, do running as well as hiking, um, and enjoy the adventure, the longer distance stuff um, mm. as well, whereas um, just now the adventure stuff are really just an add-on to the, the normal classes that we've got. But we are going to be uh, bringing in um, some beginner sessions. And okay. what we would really like to see... We would love to see more dog owners of the ages 50 plus, 50 okay. and 60, because, you know, this age group is more than capable of doing canny hike. And mm -hmm. I, I, we appreciate that not everyone, at the, you know, who perhaps hasn't ran before wants to start up running at the age of 50, 60. Um, it's not to say you can't. Obviously, you can. There's lots of fantastic runners at that age. But there perhaps is uh, people out there that don't want to for whatever reason, but they would like to do some activity and would like to do learn um, more um, new skills with their dogs and not just taking their dogs um, on a walk. Also, we're seeing that the trails and our quiet places are a lot busier than what they used to be. Mm -hmm. um, you know, with people exploring um, more in lockdown and it is becoming harder to let dogs off the lead safely. So this is another way that people can probably safely give their, their dogs, you know, a, a good workout that they don't feel like the dog's coming back and is bored, that their dog's been working with them. They've been working mentally as well as physically. And when they, you come home, you can see the proof is in the pudding. The dogs seem a lot more satisfied after they've came to a session like that. It's taken a lot more out of them than the average um, dog walk. So we would really love to see people who perhaps don't follow Canny Fit would probably think Canny Fit is no way for them because the Canny Hikes um, can, you know, be for them and we would love to see them come along with their dogs uh, to, to our classes. Okay, cool. And there's Ayrshire-based Ayrshire classes and... Yeah, so kind of Renfrewshire, Dumbartonshire area, Stirling um, and Fife. Okay, great. So, yeah, I mean, no matter if you're kind of central Scotland, you within half an hour to one hour drive, you're going to find a class, no problem. Okay. 
Right, great. I'll definitely make sure I put all the links up and folk can great. navigate about the site and find what they want. Yeah, so you mentioned great. lockdown, the old uh -huh. chestnut, and how obviously everything's a lot busier. The trails are like so yes. healthy now. Yep. So it, what, what else? I mean, <laughs> where do you start? But what else has had to change about your business or what have you noticed that's had to change drastically about your business because of lockdown? What's it been like as a small Well, business? so when, when lockdown first happened, we had to pivot really fast and I've actually, you know, I had people say, oh, you must be so glad that you're going back to work now. And I'm like, I've not stopped working. <laughs> like, are you kidding? <laughs> you're just adding more. <laughs> I'm mm -hmm. like, I need my own personal lockdown. So when <laughs> lockdown first happened, we had to think fast because CaniFit is a, is a business that people really rely on. And, um, you know, obviously I rely on it myself. It's my only income. Um, and it's a fast-paced business and I'm a fast-paced business owner. But I'm not going to just sit and go, oh, well, that's it and not do anything. So we had to sit, we had to move fast and take uh, what we had in the bank in terms of um, uh, content and video footage and make all our classes virtual. So we had to put together um, training plans, um, uh, different content and video um, instruction and give people um, virtual classes to follow. And so for the first few months that was really popular. People really enjoyed it. They had a really detailed training plan and videos to follow and things to go out and do by their own. And then things were opening up again, and we were allowed classes back. And so we had a mix of people doing a bit of both virtual and then classes. And then we had, you know, the other lockdown. And then coming out of that other lockdown was more difficult because um, people were almost a year into it and just got into a routine and got used to doing what they were doing. We had all of our real regulars come back to the classes, but what we um, struggled and what we've missed is we don't have a huge influx of new people because we've had a year mm. of not introducing new people to the sport. Now, we've done our best with, you know, creating content online and giving people online uh, training plans and classes and uh, when we were allowed to do one-to-one -one sessions, when we weren't allowed to do classes, doing some of that. But that's a small minority who will be uh, willing to do that thing. It's a small minority, the person that wants to pay the bigger um, price uh, packet for a one-to-one -one or to do online training to be self-sufficient enough. The majority of people don't want to do that. They want the lower price bracket and they don't want to be all self-sufficient. They want to just come along to a class mm -hmm. and just attend the class and have it the cheapest and the easiest way. So, which is fine. That's, you know, it's understandable and that's great. But that's been a year of not having a whole, so you'll have some people that have fallen off uh, for whatever reason, their dog's older, they're injured, they've got other stuff on, um, you know, life's moved on for them um, and we've not brought new people in. So that's been difficult. And I think coming out the other side of lockdown, people are in a certain routine and it's hard for them to get back out of their houses to come back to a training class at night or time. Or they're put on five time. stone like me. <laughs> yeah, or they're using the time to do Hard other to stuff. Mm -hmm. So, so that, that's that been, I don't want to say it's a struggle because we've not actually struggled. We're still good, but um, it's, it's it's been a bit of a barrier to stop us excelling. We probably would have mm -hmm. been excelling more because the sport is certainly getting more popular. But the big one of my biggest gripes um, not a gripe. One of my uh, biggest concerns is that 
more people are buying kit online. So that's fantastic. The shop's busier. And there's people local to me where I take classes who are buying kit, but they have but they don't attend classes. And what worries me is it then becomes a fad because they mm. spend £140 on kit. They watch a video. They think they know how it should fit, but they're not really getting anyone who you know, has got the expert eyes to look at it. And then they go out with very little training. And like I said, you know, the, the dogs are not enjoying it or not focusing or it's it's just not, it's not as fun as they thought it would be in the video. Mm. And it's because they're not getting all, the, all of that sort of tuition and training and understanding that they perhaps don't yeah. think that they need. And then, you know, it then becomes that £140 thing that you did for a couple of months and then you don't bother again. Mm. Uh, and in terms of the sport and, and for the business, that's not good. I, w- I would rather that people didn't spend that money in the kit, but perhaps just spent, you know, £20 on a block of classes, borrowed yeah. the kit. And then if it wasn't it's, for them, then It's they such a big part. Like coming to the classes is... is yeah. From experience, I've been coming for nearly eight years now. And it's yeah, like... Uh-huh. It, it's such a big part of it. It's the coming along on a Thursday night or whatever and it's it's a laugh it's such yeah. a good, just good fun and the dog's yeah. having the great, greatest time, time ever and you don't you, it's just not the same going out by yourself it's just not. no and I, I think people it, it'd be good just to get people just to try it but I suppose mm-hmm. now we've made people self-sufficient just to go out and do things on their own like mm-hmm. you know 2020 we've created everybody to become a virtual athlete you know everybody's now you know, Strava or Peloton or whatever. So they're all their own, you know, they've all got their own virtual thing to do. And I suppose they feel like they maybe don't perhaps need a class or whatever. And I don't think they realise, you know, what they would get, what their dog would get out of it. If mm-hmm. they did come along to a class, then um, they could maybe save themselves um, not enjoying it or they would get to use the kit for longer. Or if it really wasn't for their dog, it would save them that money and, and uh, buying the kit in the first place yeah yeah mm-hmm. I think a lot probably... of the transition from the classes into like what you're saying as a sport is like is there races is there a season of... yeah so obviously before lockdown was lo- loads of races so you've got lots of sled dog races which would be your sort of official like championship series um you oh, know you right. can you can go do a championship um um in Scotland, England and Wales and that would be your the, the kind of biggest that you would aim for um, and there's local canny cross races as well and there's also a lot of trail events in England, not really Scotland so much they'll allow you to attend with dogs as well they're now appreciating that canny cross is popular and they'll, they'll welcome canny crossers trail events in Scotland don't because they're a bit behind the times <laughs> but a lot in England and Scotland do and they get a lot of business from it so it's, it's good that they are um, you know, that they are uh, quite diverse that way and welcoming. Um, so, yeah, there's loads of events um, and stuff to do. Hopefully soon Scotland will be back on the road to be doing doing the same, whether it's this year or next year. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's, uh, it's it's weird to even actually think about going back to events. It'll be good, but yeah, it's like an alien thought now. It's been such a long time since... I know, to see people like back that. in the one area again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. that's... People, that's what people, I think, get the most out of the sport because there's a lot of social clubs. So there's people who perhaps don't go to classes, but they're unsocially. And that's their big thing in the winter is probably once a month heading for a race and aiming to, you know, keep themselves fit and and, mm-hmm. and shape to enjoy, you know, getting through the courses, those races. Mm-hmm. 
Okay, and probably we should have asked right at the beginning. I need to know about your dogs. Okay, what dogs so have you got? And I have got tell me um, everything. I've got Stormy, um, Bo, and Mo. Stormy is what you would call a European sled dog. She it comes from a Vorsta pointer, which is a a, a German short-haired pointer um, bred in Norway, which they're bred for sled dog sports. They're a bit bigger, leaner, um, but still a German short short-haired pointer. Uh, crossed with a Scandinavian hound. So Scandinavian hounds are uh, a kind of racing um, sled dog breed. So she has the brain of a pointer and the muscles of a pointer um, and the eyes of a sled dog, which can make her very challenging. <laughs> she likes to chase after birds. <laughs> and because she has a sled dog genes in her, she is fit as a flea. So she can often <laughs> chase after birds for a very long time, um, <laughs> which makes her really good fun. Um, she's actually fantastic in harness, but she can be a nightmare off the lead. Um, and then Bolt and Moore are, are um, Alaskan Husky crossed Scandinavian hounds, um, so they're not as they're what you would maybe class as a flat muscle, not as much, not as muscular um, as like the pointer uh, that's in Stormy, uh, but still very fit, lean, and and muscly. They're a little uh, smaller and slightly thicker coat, um, and they love running in harness. They're fantastic off lead. However, if you ever meet us in a park and they're off lead, you'll, you'll wonder if it was a bullet that went by you <laughs> um, <laughs> or a dog. But they're um, really well-behaved, nice-natured, and uh, don't really bother with any other dogs. So I tend mm. to not worry when they're um, zooming by other folks. So, yeah, they're all purpose-bred sled dogs, so they're all quite specialist breeds. Uh, but I, in the past, you know, raced at a high level, raced all mm. over... Europe and the UK and that was you know that was was my life I still train almost like I'm still doing that even though I'm not doing that but I don't really know what else to do with myself <laughs> other than train like that but you know so maybe one day I should get back into it because I'm still wrecking my feet and my body like I'm training for championships but I'm not actually I'm not actually training for a championship but it keeps my dog it keep it just keeps us doing what we do and uh, you know they love it and they're 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 pretty fit and healthy. So if if a race appears out out of the blue, nowhere will be ready for it. <laughs> you will exactly. <laughs> uh, I'll need to um I'll make sure I share a, a photo for everyone of you. Yeah, okay, yes. You can all see what what they look like. I think that's uh, everything. Thanks very much for joining us yes. today and hopefully uh, you'll see a few new faces. Oh, we would oh. love to and if anyone has any ideas or any uh, support they would like to give us in terms of you know welcoming people um, through to the canny height classes so people that perhaps don't think they're fit enough to do what we do and maybe have felt intimidated by it in the past and then we would love to hear because that mm -hmm. we'd love to really introduce um you know these people to canny hike and show them yep. that it's 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 not all out and it's not dangerous that they'll have a lot of fun and that them mm -hmm. and their dog will get a lot out of it great yeah i'm sure you'll there's there will be plenty of people listening to this that might have some ideas or hopefully yeah. they'll, they'll want to come on and I'll share the links on our usual um, the episodes Great. information and I'll pop up the links to 
your website, your Facebook page, and your podcast as well, because you've got yep. a podcast, don't you? Yes, uh huh. Yes, the Candy Fit Real Talk. Yep. You haven't done one for a while. You need to get a new one on there. I know, I'll need to do another one. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I think that's I think that's us. Thanks so much for joining us. No Thank you. We so will, much. I'll see you again soon. Thanks. <laughs> Bye. Bye. The Erin Kilmarnock Active Travel Hubs are South and East Ayrshire Council-led projects delivered in partnership with Sustrans and supported by the Smarter Choices, Smarter Places programme from Paths for All.